You're listening to Latin America in Focus. Latinoamérica in Foco. América Latina in Foco. A podcast by America Society, Council of the Americas on politics, economics, and culture in the region. No foreign nation came up more than Mexico during the U.S. presidential race. Observers are still piecing together the details to understand this surprising Donald Trump victory. But meanwhile, Mexicans are looking ahead to their own presidential election in 2018, and the outcome could very well be difficult to predict, thanks to shifting political views held by one particular group, millennials. This is Karin Zissis of ASCOA Online. I spoke with two public opinion experts in Mexico City about a survey by news site Nación 321 that sheds light on how millennials view politics and what it could mean for the future of Mexican democracy. Well, thank you. My name is Alejandro Moreno, and I am a pollster, a sort of public opinion researcher. I do polls for El Financiero and also for Nación 321. We conducted a poll among millennials, which is uh, the first product that Nación 321 has offered to the readers. I'm very happy to talk about it. And my name is uh, Pancho Parra, and I'm the editor of uh, Data and Public Opinion. And I, with the leadership of Alejandro, we uh, created the, the poll. It's the first poll that investigates and analyzes the millennial vote in Mexico. Thank you very much for talking with me today. So to start off, I, I wanted to ask you, um, in terms of the survey in Nación 321, uh, which came out last month, millennials currently make up a little over 40% of voters in Mexico, and by the 2018 presidential election, they, they could make up as almost half. 77% of them say they plan to vote in Mexico's next election. So first off, can you tell me what is the profile of a millennial voter and what distinguishes millennial voters from prior generations? Well, thank you so much. I think that our um, curiosity in the millennials is because the next elections uh, uh, belongs to them and the next one even more. Uh, we haven't really put much more attention in this new generation uh, by dedicating a survey to them. So much of what we're finding is going to be new. Uh, we know that younger generations in, in Mexico in previous elections voted less. Their rate of turnout is, is lower than those who are uh, a little bit older. And we would expect this from the, from the millennials. So when you say that they are about 40% of the, of the electorate, of the voters, it's not the voters, but the electorate, and actually the population, I would expect them to be fewer on election day. And this is one of the reasons why Nación 321 wants to promote not only information for them about the candidates, about the parties, but also to encourage them to vote. Now, by 2018, they may be close to 50%. If you can imagine that half of the population votes, which may not happen, but imagine that half of the population that can vote, votes. But this is going to be very interesting. What we are looking at through the polls is that, one, uh, I think that similarly to younger generations before, they're mostly oppositionists. They are not supporting the government party. Two, they are very critical. 
they are some of the ones that are rejecting or disapproving government action and government policies more sharply. But, and, and I will uh, leave this to my, to my colleague here who is a millennial because I don't quite understand that younger generations from before were more pro-democratic. We were looking at generations of Mexicans who were struggling to see a democratic Mexico. But now we find that millennials are more driven by uh, mano dura, a strong hand uh, over any other democratic principle. So, so this is very puzzling. Well, I think there, there, are, there are two main characteristics in this generation. Uh, they answer it to our millennial uh, poll. They say they use social media and they are open to, to change. This is because of one main reason. They grew up with changing technology all the time. Every six months, every year, they have to change their phone. They have to change their headsets. They're changing, so they're open to, to different possibilities. And in the democratic system, they, they didn't want dem democracy because they born with democracy. We, the millennials, uh, we don't value it that much because that's the only system that we know. And maybe the possibility is to, to, to change that system. I'm not saying that uh, millennials are um, right-handed, but they like to, they like a little bit of order in some things. And maybe that's not only about all the millennial generation, but it's from the millennial, from the Mexican millennials. I think it's interesting you make the, this point that's distinct about um, Mexican millennials, because for voters under 36, according to the survey, they prefer the main opposition party, the PAN, um, while voters over 36 just slightly prefer the PRI, which dominated politics in the 20th century and is the governing party now. But a very large portion, portion of millennials also responded that they have no preference for a party or they didn't answer. What does that tell us about these millennial voters? Well, I think that we need to... Uh understand several things about the Mexican system as well. One is that all the generations were accustomed to the governing party, the official party, but also for millennials, many of them, the only government party that they saw was the PAN, beginning in 2000 and ending in 2012, uh, pre-returns in 2012, but you know, it's the only party they knew. Um, another aspect is that I think they are not entirely convinced about the PAN, but they are choosing it as a default option. It's my reading from the data that we're getting because uh, the beliefs are that the current government, which is a pre-government, is not doing very well, that things can be done better. But uh, the millennials are actually split between the left uh, and growing party Morena and also more towards the PAN. The PAN, I think, is uh, benefiting from this rejection to, to, to the status quo. I think that it's not a partisan uh, support, but rather a default option. And uh, this, uh, knowing that millennials are more, much more independent, that they have not developed a sense of partisanship yet in the, in the Mexican system, they are willing to vote PAN, but they may be also likely to drop those desires at any time. If we summarize um, the independent votes, the one that says that they're not going to vote, the one that, that are saying that they're going to vote for an independent candidate, and also the ones that didn't want to answer to our question, it's exactly 
50% of the millennials don't want to reveal their uh, vote for a party. Perhaps they don't want to reveal it or they do not have a preference yet. And yeah. this is something that political scientists have said for many, many years. When you're young and you're entering the political system and the party system and elections, you're not entirely sure who you're supporting. So maybe there is a, a hidden preference that they don't want to tell us or more likely they are still developing. Of course, of course, of course. Uh, There's something interesting about this generation and with the pan, with the pan party. Uh, the first millennial was born uh, in 1980, 82, maybe. And the first election, the first presidential election he could vote was with Vicente Fox, the first uh, candidate of uh, the first president of the pan. And the last millennial was born when Fox was the president in 2000. That's maybe something about the appealing for the pan. That's great. And, and similarly, in terms of talking about the split that you referred to between the PAN and Marina, for example, looking at um, the survey, uh, the two leading candidates are Margarita Zavala, who, former first lady, who's married to Felipe Calderon, who represented the PAN um, from 2006 to 2012 in the presidency. And then on the left, you have Andres Manuel López Obrador, representing the new party Morena. And they are the two candidates that are leading in the list of candidates. You have, you have several other candidates in the survey. But what was interesting to me was that um, while they had the most support, all of the candidates in the list had more disapproval than approval from um, the respondents. Why do you think that is? I think that it has to do with the general attitude of rejection to the political political class. I think that uh, by looking, uh, when, when you talk about people, the millennials who were born in the early 80s, uh, what they have seen in their, in their formative years is economic crisis and then increasing violence and more crisis and more violence. And one of the main topics that I think is attracting them in terms of what should be done from government is corruption. Corruption is one of the main topics in social media, on the internet, which is, as we have uh, described it, the main environment for these millennials. Now, one thing that we, we don't want to say, and I don't think the data support us on that idea, is that millennials are this block of homogeneous young Mexicans. Millennials are very diverse. They have different ideas of what should be right, what is just, what is fair, uh, how much freedom they want, what should be done. And I think that what we're looking at through these, through these surveys is that richness of this new generation of Mexicans who are not convinced entirely of politicians, yes, they are favoring some of them. Uh, I think they see, for example, in Andres Manuel López Obrador, this uh, uh, candidate or this leader that is against much of what is wrong in this country, at least in, in, in discursive uh, terms. And I think that Margarita, uh, since she was not a very protagonistic, a very central figure during her husband's uh, presidency, they see her as a fresh face, as, as, a, as someone who is outside, even though she was a first lady. It's a fresh figure in politics. We can see other, other potential uh, candidates like Anaya or maybe even the pre-president who has not been mentioned on this, but these are fresh faces that are you know, presenting a different picture of how politics are. But make no mistake, this is not a 
solid, homogeneous group. This is a very diverse and, and uh, uh, part of society. And I think that uh, when we look at millennials uh, who are better equipped in terms of social media, in terms of gadgets, in terms of smartphones, those are the ones who are going to make a difference because if we think about millennials from rural Mexico or uh, other uh, socioeconomic levels, they may be more willing to go with the PRI or with the governing party. Yeah, regarding the candidates uh, and the rejection for the candidates, there's a, there's a great insight that we found on the uh, millennial vote um, poll is that they know the candidates. Even the worst uh, candidate that was uh, Jose Antonio Meade with only 7% of the millennials saying that they will, that they like the candidate, that's the less. It was known for um, 52% of the millennials. That's a lot. That's a lot of knowledge because this is a generation that has access to internet and they, they know the candidates, but maybe, maybe they don't, they haven't won the vote. Mm-hmm. Following on that, um, looking at the studies comparing generations, millennials are um, much more likely to get their news from the internet, from social media, than from traditional media forms in, in Mexico. And that, that's a big change as well. Um, how do you think that's playing into their opinions and, and their perceptions? What I'm looking at is that because this is their new uh, environment, I think that they are getting very, very negative news about everything. The social media and internet are mostly negative in their contents. They are criticizing everything around. And I think that this is um, somehow feeding a sense of, um, uh, how, how would you say, desesperanza, no? lack of hope, uh, incredulity, skepticism uh, about the political class, about political parties. And I think that they will be, you know, growing politically in that, in that environment. I think that is good news and bad news. Good news in the sense that this is a critical citizenry, to use uh, Pipanori's uh, term. This is a very critical part of the society, and it's going to be very demanding, high expectations about who wins. One of the uh, purposes of Nación 321 is to find not only who they support, from the field of potential candidates and parties, but who they would like to support according to an imagined, an ideal sense of candidacy. But the bad news, uh, because of the economic crisis, because of the rise in violence, because of drugs, because of uh, corruption, which is a generation that has seen these one time after another, of course, you are certainly disenchanted with democracy. Democracy, for those of us who grew in the, in the 70s or 80s, was an aspiration. For the millennial generation, this is the reality, and this reality is not working well. Yeah, I think that, I think that millennials are seeing these problems as an output of democracy, maybe. And, and the, the ways to change these things, maybe it's not the vote. Uh, they are willing to vote, but when we ask them what is the best way to communicate Um, your feelings or what you're thinking to the government, uh, vote is ranked number three. The first one is social media. I want to post something on Facebook, uh, make a tweet, uh, maybe, I don't know, Snapchat maybe, but, but social media is the way they communicate. Second one is media, mass media. They want to conquer mass media. 
They want to raise their voice through mass media. And the third one, it's voting. Uh, and there may be uh, some larger and stronger stu studies like Latino Barometro maybe that could help us to find if this generation is appreciate the same way the vote. They are willing to vote because they don't like the system right now. But maybe that's not the best way that they communicate. Something that we at Nacion Tresosuno think a lot, it's like, uh, we can pay our taxes through an app. I can pay my phone through an app. Really? I can't vote through an app? Is it really? It's, it's, it's 21 century. Let me, let me add something to what Pancho is saying in this regard, because this ranking that he just mentioned is very interesting. If, the, if voting comes in third place and posting something on social media comes first, I think that the implications are you are putting pressure in, the, in, in public officials and elected uh, uh, representatives constantly, every day, every minute, not only by voting every six years or every three years, but constantly telling them, I don't like it, or putting a, 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 a face, one of these angry faces that you play, uh, post in the social media. And this is a very interesting uh, democratic experiment if you look at it a constant scrutiny of what you are saying and doing in the form of memes or criticism, videos, anything. And this comes, this brings us to another uh, way in which millennials are now getting information. Influencers. The poll studies influencers. Who are the ones that we trust to get our information from? And it turns out that these are people like them with the language that they understand with way of communicate, ways of communicating that are accessible, and I think that we're going to be looking at the rise of influencers in this generation. There were a couple of characteristics that millennials said they look for in, in, their, in a future president, in politicians, in officials. One is honesty. So I found that very interesting because some of these things that you're talking about in terms of concerns about corruption and a response that you see in social media here about corruption and anger over it, you can see how honesty would come up first. I do think it's also interesting that um, what we touched on earlier, this idea that um, millennials voiced a preference for manodura or to maintain order, an idea of maintaining order and putting order in place over, say, citizen rights or human rights. And that was interesting given that in the past couple of years, there has been so much outrage also in social media about human rights violations. So I wanted to get your views on that. Um, why do you think that millennials are responding that way to, to those questions? When we look at what political science has told us about younger generations for many, many years, for example, the thesis on post-materialism in Europe that uh, Professor Ronald Inglehart developed based on World Value Survey tells us that people tend to value those things that you don't have and you tend to value less those that you take for granted. When we look at the results and you see millennials in Mexico wanting order is something that they have lacked. When they put human rights and liberties and freedoms in second place is because they give, it take them for granted. So this is a very interesting shift in the values of, of Mexican society and I think it goes beyond Mexico. We've looked, as you say, at data from Latino Barometro mm -hmm. and we're looking at lots of similarities between millennials in Brazil and Argentina and Colombia and Venezuela and Mexico. I'm not saying they're exactly the same. I already say this is not mm -hmm. a homogeneous block but some similarities. In that sense, what you're looking at is a true 
change in the value system and now we have to look at what implications it's going to have on the political system. Following this idea, I, I say that when the millennials say they want someone who is honest, that they feel uh, thoroughly, that's what, that's what they don't have or maybe that's what they are not uh, seeing on the candidates, no? Um, I would want to put an example, not, it's not a Mexican voter, it's an American voter. Why uh, the great output of Bernie Sanders with millennials was that you can track him and he was saying and acting the same way through the years. And you can look at YouTube videos from 1996 and he was defending the same positions. And that's maybe something that the millennials uh, appreciate. And when they look at the candidates in Mexico, they want someone to tell the truth. Uh, even when we ask the question that you like a uh, government that it's not pretty efficient, but it's honest, or you want a dishonest government with results, they, they, they split. I think that what this means is that we're looking at a generation of voters who are willing to forgive mistakes when they are transparent, but they're not willing to forgive dishonesty. Uh, at least that's the reading I'm yeah. getting from your, from your uh, explanation. Uh, it doesn't mean that, I don't think it means that you want someone who doesn't get things done. No, 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 Again, no, no, no. it seems like you are willing to have someone who makes mistakes, but who looks at you at the eye and telling you, you know, we screwed up. So you mentioned Bernie Sanders, and one of the things that was interesting in the survey was an expression that millennials were very concerned about the U.S. election outcome. Um, do you think this is different from Mexicans as a whole? And why are Mexican millennials looking to the United States or looking beyond Mexico? Well, first of all, I think that it's because... Uh This is one of the main characteristics. They are informed. They are global. Um, there could be a, a millennial in Aguascalientes who found out about a bombing in Syria. And knowing that the election in the United States, it's very important. And most of all, because that election has talked a lot about uh, the relation with Mexico, the immigration problem that they have, and They don't vote in the United States, but they care about the results because they have an open mind and a global uh, view of the things. I, I agree with Pancho, and I think that they are not only following what is happening in the U.S., it's a generation that when you look at it, they don't seem to be paying attention, but they are. <laughs> and they are paying attention in a way that they also project the possible consequences. And I think that they are based on the survey results, they're very worried about who, who wins the election. And one of the readings I make myself about why they're worrying is because they have the United States in a very high regard, in a high esteem. Uh, I mean, the, the exchange of this generation with the, with the U.S., I think it's very effective, very favorable. Um, we publish data from all Latin America and especially from Mexico about what we think of the United States. And despite the ugliness of much of the campaign discourse, this 2016 was the highest percent of people, about 76, who think favorably of the United States in the country, the highest in the last 20 years. And I think that when you break down that by millennials, it's even higher. So we're concerned. 
we care. I'm speaking as a millennial, even though I'm not. But um, late millennial, maybe. Uh, well, or adopted one. Adopted. That, that, that You're is, welcome. You, you, you have made me feel very welcome in your generation. <laughs> so um, very well informed, even they don't seem to look like it. Great. I want to ask you one last question, and um, we've talked a little bit about this. About this isn't a, ho a homogeneous. Um, block either in Mexico or beyond Mexico. Um, but I did want want to get your impressions on what you see as being similar or different between Mexican millennials and millennials in other other countries, whether we're thinking about um, Bernie Sanders supporters in the United States or we're thinking about um, how um, voters are turning out in other countries and on different issues. Um, what do you think some of the similarities and differences are? I think that we should expect some differences depending on context and cultures and histories. But the fact is that internet and social media have made the world much smaller for millennials. They are sharing similar cultural and political uh, uh, expressions. And one of, the, one of the goals of studying them through these surveys and asking them to trust us and respond as sincerely as possible to our questions is that we really want to see that they are similar to millennials in other places. And one of the similarities, maybe, is that they are expecting um, different, a different way of functioning for democracy. We have past generations who struggle for democracy. Now, like Pancho said, we took it for granted. We were born in it. We don't know any other uh, political system, but we don't think it's working well. One of the main concerns is inequality is rising. This, is, this doesn't sound too democratic. Corruption is there. That doesn't sound too democratic. And I can add more to the list, but I will leave it there because I, I think Pancho will, will, will add up more. <laughs> well, I would like to add more, but uh, I think Alejandro summarized uh, pretty well. There's one thing that I would like to say. Maybe it's not for the, or maybe yes, for the pollings uh, or the public opinion studies, but maybe more for Uh, comparative politics to maybe redefine uh, democracy. Uh, this new generation maybe is take it for granted democracy and wants uh, some things that that the democracy is not giving: inequality, corruption, maybe environment, public safety, public safety, uh, uh, global citizenship, uh, refugee crisis. Maybe that th those kind of things. Uh, the democracy studies from, um, from the past century, it's only 16 years ago, but it's the past century, uh, they were looking more for uh, giving the right to vote. That was the main issue. Right now, uh, we have a, a different kind of problems that democracy should attend. And that's maybe the things that millennials will like to, to, to have from this new democracy. Great. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It was a pleasure also. Thanks for listening. For more, visit as-coa.org.